0: Section 4 of On the Various Forces of Nature This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Sanjay Parikh. On the Various Forces of Nature by Michael Faraday Lecture 2 Part 2 gravitation cohesion. Here is a piece of glass, producing a piece of plate glass about two inches square. I shall want this afterwards to look to and examine its internal condition. And here is some of the same sort of glass, differing only in its power of cohesion, because while yet melted, it has been dropped into cold water, exhibiting a Prince Rupert's drop, figure 13. And if I take one of these little tear-like pieces and break off ever so little from the point, the hole will at once burst and fall to pieces. I will now break off a piece of this. The lecturer nipped off a small piece from the end of one of the Rupert's drops, whereupon the hole immediately fell to pieces. There. You see? The solid glass has suddenly become powder. And more than that, It has knocked a hole in the glass vessel in which it was held. I can shew the effect better in this bottle of water and it is very likely the whole bottle will go. A six ounce vial was filled with water and a rupert's drop placed in it with the point of the tail just projecting out. Upon breaking the tip off the drop burst and the shock being transmitted through the water to the sides of the bottle shattered the latter to pieces. Here is another form of the same kind of experiment. I have here some more glass, which has not been annealed, showing some thick glass vessels, figure 14. And if I take one of these glass vessels and drop a piece of pounded glass into it, or I will take some of these small pieces of rock crystal, they have the advantage of being harder than glass and so make the least scratch upon the inside, the whole bottle will break to pieces. It cannot hold together. The lecturer here dropped a small fragment of rock crystal into one of these glass vessels when the bottom immediately came out and fell upon the plate. There, it goes through, just as it would through a sieve. Now, I have shown you these things for the purpose of bringing your minds to see that bodies are not merely held together by this power of cohesion, but that they are held together in very curious ways. And suppose I take some things that are held together by this force and examine them more minutely. I will first take a bit of glass, and if I give it a blow with a hammer, I shall just break it to pieces. You saw how it was in the case of the flint when I broke the piece off a piece of a similar kind would come off, just as you would expect. And if I were to break it up still more, it would be as you have seen, simply a collection of small particles of no definite shape or form. But supposing I take some other thing, this stone for instance, figure 15, taking a piece of mica, and if I hammer this stone, I may batter it a great deal before I can break it up. I may even bend it without breaking it, that is to say, I may bend it in one particular direction without breaking it much, although I feel in my hands that I am doing it some injury. But now, if I take it by the edges, I find that it breaks up into leaf after leaf in a most extraordinary manner. Why should it break up like that? Not because all stones do, or all crystals for there is some salt, figure 16. You know what common salt is. Here is a piece of this salt, which by natural circumstances has had its particles so brought together that they have been allowed free opportunity of combining or coalescing. And you shall see what happens if I take this piece of salt and break it. It does not break as flint did, or as the mica did, but with a clean, sharp angle, and exact surfaces, beautiful and glittering as diamonds, breaking it by gentle blows with a hammer. There is a square prism, which I may break up into a square cube. You see, these fragments are all square. One side may be longer than the other, but they will only split up so as to form square or oblong pieces with cubical sides. Now, I go a little further And I find another stone, figure 17, Iceland or Kalkspar, which I may break in a similar way, but not with the same result. Here is a piece which I have broken off, and you see there are plain surfaces perfectly regular with respect to each other. But it is not cubical. It is what we call a rhomboid. It still breaks in three directions, most beautifully and regularly, with polished surfaces, but with sloping sides, not like the sort. Why not? It is very manifest that this is owing to the attraction of the particles, one for the other, being less in the direction in which they give way than in other directions. I have on the table before me a number of little bits of calcareous spar, And I recommend each of you to take a piece home. And then you can take a knife and try to divide it in the direction of any of the surfaces already existing. You will be able to do it at once. But if you try to cut it across the crystals, you cannot. By hammering, you may bruise and break it up. But you can only divide it into these beautiful little rhomboids. Now I want you to understand a little more how this is. And for this purpose, I'm going to use the electric light again. You see, we cannot look into the middle of a body like this piece of glass. We perceive the outside form and the inside form, and we look through it. But we cannot well find out how these forms become so. And I want you, therefore, to take a lesson in the way in which we use a ray of light for the purpose of seeing what is in the interior of bodies. Light is a thing which is, so to say, attracted by every substance that gravitates. And we do not know anything that does not. All matter affects light more or less by what we may consider as a kind of attraction. And I have arranged, figure 18, a very simple experiment upon the floor of the room for the purpose of illustrating this. I have put into that basin a few things which those who are in the body of the theatre will not be able to see, and I am going to make use of this power which matter possesses of attracting a ray of light. If Mr. Anderson pours some water gently and steadily into the basin, the water will attract the rays of light downwards, and the piece of silver and the sealing wax will appear to rise up into the sight of those who were before not high enough, to sea over the side of the basin to its bottom. Mr. Anderson here poured water into the basin, and upon the lecturer, asking whether anybody could see the silver and sealing wax, he was answered by a general affirmative. Now, I suppose that everybody can see that they are not at all disturbed, whilst from the way they appear to have risen up, you would imagine the bottom of the basin and the articles in it were two inches thick, although they are only one of our small silver dishes and a piece of sealing wax which I have put there. The light which now goes to you from that piece of silver was obstructed by the edge of the basin, when there was no water there, and you were unable to see anything of it. But when we poured in water, the rays were attracted down by it, over the edge of the basin, and you were thus enabled to see the articles at the bottom. I have shown you this experiment first, so that you might understand how glass attracts light, and might then see how other substances, like rock salt and calcareous spar, mica, and other stones, would affect the light. And if Dr. Tyndall will be good enough to let us use his light again, we will first of all show you how it may be bent by a piece of glass. Figure 19. The electric lamp was again lit and the beam of parallel rays of light which it emitted was bent about and decomposed by means of the prism. Now, here you see, if I send the light through this piece of plain glass, A, it goes straight through without being bent unless the glass be held obliquely, and then the phenomenon becomes more complicated. But if I take this piece of glass, B, a prism, you see it will show a very different effect. It no longer goes to that wall, but it is bent to the screen, C. And how much more beautiful it is now, throwing the prismatic spectrum on the screen. This ray of light is bent out of its course by the attraction of the glass upon it. And you see, I can turn and twist the rays to and fro, in different parts of the room just as i please now it goes there now here the lecturer projected the prismatic spectrum about the theater here i have the rays once more bent onto the screen and you see how wonderfully and beautifully that piece of glass not only bends the light by virtue of its attraction but actually splits it up into different colors Now, I want you to understand that this piece of glass, the prism, being perfectly uniform in its internal structure, tells us about the action of these other bodies, which are not uniform, which do not merely cohere, but also have within them in different parts, different degrees of cohesion and thus attract and bend the light with varying powers. We will now let the light pass through one or two of these things, which I just now showed you, broke so curiously. And first of all, I will take a piece of mica. Here, you see, is our ray of light. We have first to make it what we call polarized. But about that, you need not trouble yourself. It is only to make our illustration more clear. Here then, we have our polarized ray of light, and I can so adjust it as to make the screen upon which it is shining either light or dark although I have nothing in the course of this ray of light but what is perfectly transparent turning the analyzer around. I will now make it so that it is quite dark and we will in the first instance put a piece of common glass into the polarized ray so as to show you that it does not enable the light to get through. You see the screen remains dark. The glass then internally has no effect upon the light. The glass was removed and a piece of mica introduced. Now, there is the mica which we split up so curiously into leaf after leaf and see how that enables the light to pass through to the screen and how, as Dr. Tyndall turns it round in his hand, you have those different colors, pink and purple and green, coming and going most beautifully. Not that the mica is more transparent than the glass, but because of the different manner in which its particles are arranged by the force of cohesion. Now we will see how calcareous spar acts upon this light. That stone which split up into ROMs, and of which you are each of you going to take a little piece home, The mica was removed and a piece of calc spar introduced at A. See how that turns the light round and round and produces these rings and that black cross, figure 20. Look at those colors. Are they not most beautiful for you and me? For I enjoy these things as much as you do. In what a wonderful manner they open out to us the internal arrangement of the particles of this calcareous spar by the force of cohesion. And now I will show you another experiment. Here is that piece of glass, which before had no action upon the light. You shall see what it will do when we apply pressure to it. Here then, we have our ray of polarized light, and I will first of all show you that the glass has no effect upon it in its ordinary state. When I place it in the course of the light, the screen still remains dark. Now Dr. Tyndall will press that bit of glass between three little points, one point against two, so as to bring a strain upon the parts and you will see what a curious effect that has. Upon the screen, two white dots gradually appeared. Ah, these points shew the position of the strain. In these parts, the force of cohesion is being exerted in a different degree to what it is in the other parts, and hence it allows the light to pass through. How beautiful that is! How it makes the light come through some parts and leaves it dark in others, and all because we weaken the force of cohesion between particle and particle. Whether you have this mechanical power of straining, or whether we take other means, we get the same result. And indeed, I will show you by another experiment that if we heat the glass in one part, it will alter its internal structure and produce a similar effect. Here is a piece of common glass, and if I insert this in the path of the polarized ray, I believe it will do nothing. There is the common glass, introducing it. No light passes through. The screen remains quite dark, but I am going to warm this glass in the lamp. And you know yourselves, that when you pour warm water upon glass, you put a strain upon it, sufficient to break it sometimes. Something like there was in the case of the Prince Rupert's drops. The glass was warmed in the spirit lamp, and again placed across the ray of light. Now you see how beautifully the light goes through those parts which are hot, making dark and light lines, just as the crystal did and all because of the alteration I have effected in its internal condition. For these dark and light parts are a proof of the presence of forces acting and dragging in different directions within the solid mass. End of section 4